Just Man's the Podcast. What is up, my loves? Welcome back to another episode of Just Man's the Podcast. And if you listened to my first episode back, I was going to call this Pretty Naked with Just Mans, and then I ran a poll because I was talking to Lucas, and he was like, dude, fuck that. He's like, Just Mans is it. Just Mans is the goat. Don't do Pretty Naked with Just Mans. The Pretty Naked doesn't need a podcast. Just do Just Mans the podcast. And I was like, fuck you're right. So I took to Instagram and I asked you guys, what would you guys prefer the podcast to be called? Pretty Naked with Just Mans or the OG, the original recipe, Just Mans the podcast? And you guys showed out and delivered and said, we want Just Mans the podcast. So here we are. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Just Mans the podcast. And I am coming to you guys today with a little pregnancy, birth, labor, everything having to do with me approaching birth and labor. And specifically, I'm talking about like my birth plan, my birth preferences, what I'm doing differently this pregnancy versus my first pregnancy, and how I'm actually prepping my body for labor. And the reason I wanted to do this is because one, this is literally all I can think about right now being 37 weeks pregnant, actually 38 weeks pregnant when this episode goes live. It's like literally just what my life is right now is pregnancy and birth and labor and being out of breath. (sighs) Okay. So I am going to chat with you guys about all of the things I'm sitting on my exercise ball right now, actually. And that is reminding me I packed my hospital bag, but I haven't really packed my hospital necessities bag. So I know I have honey sticks. I bought them at the store the other day, but I need to get some coconut water and some other snacks prepped. I also want to get my postpartum meals prepped because last time when I gave birth to Lennox, I had my mom prep me a bunch of freezer meals and I participated in a meal train. And to be honest, If you are somebody who's listening and is like, I have a friend who's about to give birth and I want to ensure that I'm being helpful but also respectful during her postpartum, then I highly recommend just making her meals. Like people don't understand how big of a help it is to have support, but in terms of people making you food postpartum, because that's the last thing you want to think about. You don't want to think about where your next meal is coming from or who's cooking it or how long it's going to take. Especially if you're breastfeeding, you are going to be super hungry all of the time. And it's really helpful to just have go-to quick meals on hand. So if you're listening and you're like, how can I be helpful to somebody postpartum? Cook them meals, like literally cook them meals, soups, stews, Anything that is warming and nourishing and full of healthy fats and protein, that's going to be huge. And the good thing about freezer meals, too, is that the whole family can eat them. I remember Lucas and I both ate all of the soups and stews my mom prepped, and it lasted us, I want to say, a good four weeks. We really had it made with our meals for the first month postpartum, which was just beyond helpful. 
So I don't even know how I got on this topic of freezer meals, but I guess just prepping for, oh, that's what I need to do. I need to pack like my snack bag for the hospital because I have my clothes and I have toothbrush and things that I need in terms of body care and personal care, but I need like my coconut water. I need my honey sticks. I'm going to get some applesauce, anything that I feel could be really nourishing to me. And I remember too, last time we brought a cooler of overnight oats and some of the stews that my mom prepped to have in the hospital actually, so that we weren't having to order meals out or get meals from the hospital because your girl is gluten and dairy free. And sometimes they just don't have options, especially at a hospital, which I feel like should be the first place that you think about that should have options for everybody with intolerances and sensitivities. But that's a whole other conversation for another time. (laughs) So where should I start? Well, first, let's just, okay, I will be 38 weeks pregnant when this podcast episode goes live. And technically, when I'm recording this 37 weeks pregnant, I am considered full term. So I could technically go into labor at any point now and be totally fine. This is when they're just like, yep, you're totally fine. If you go into labor, no worries. Nothing's like going to be out of the ordinary. It's not like you're going to have a pre preemie baby. Like you are full term now. So it's great news for me because I'm over it. I'm so tired of being pregnant, which is new for me because with my first, I loved being pregnant. I really honestly could have been pregnant for another month or two. I, I was loving it. Like there was no, I mean, I'm sure, you know, pregnancy, you get such amnesia. So I don't really remember a lot of the pregnancy slash early postpartum, but I do know that I didn't feel like I do now. And I think a big part of that is because I have Lennox and I'm trying to raise him, have the energy to entertain him and run after him while also build and grow a human. So that I feel like is taxing. I also have a lot more business response. Whoa. Did I just have a stroke? (laughs) I can't speak. I also have a lot more business responsibilities this time around, which also contributes to my desperation at this point to just be in labor already. I swear I wake up every single morning and I tell Lucas, I just want to be in labor. I just want to be in labor. I just want to be in labor. But the good thing is, is that last week was my last week of work. So I wrapped with all my clients. I've scheduled everything for the Pretty Naked in terms of content And the only thing that I'm really going to be doing over maternity leave is recording some podcasts and posting on Instagram, which to me doesn't really feel like work. So, and I feel like it's going to be really helpful for me to have something to channel my energy to since my passions and hobbies are so intertwined with my career. So it's going to be nice to take a break from coaching and come back to it in September. And I am still taking applications for people who are interested in one-on-one coaching with me. I have a limited amount of spots, but there are some spots left. But if you want to learn more about working with me, you can just DM me on Instagram. But yeah, I feel like I'm somebody who needs to have something to do during postpartum because the first two weeks are nice just watching Netflix and vegging out and recovering and healing. However, after that, I start to get really antsy. So I am really looking forward to just podcasting and doing some Instagram things and 
yeah, being in the newborn bubble. But let's get into how I am prepping my body for labor. And I did an Instagram reel on this actually the other day, but I wanted to come on here and just talk to you guys in length about it. And also, I feel like I have to mention before I talk about how I'm prepping my body for labor, I have to mention my birth plan. And what I say birth plan, what I really mean is birth preferences. And I'm not going to go into like huge detail on environment and my my requests for my providers, things like that I'm not going to really go into detail with because it, there's just so much I could, I could talk about. I'm more so going to talk about what type of delivery I want. And that is a natural unmedicated birth in the hospital. The reason that I'm doing it in the hospital is because one, I sort of have to since I'll be having a VBAC and most birth centers slash home birth providers won't actually allow me to have a VBAC at home or in a birth center. So Having a prior cesarean kind of limits your options, so I will be having it in a hospital for that reason. However, also, I feel like I also just feel more comfortable being in a hospital since this is my first time experiencing labor and vaginal delivery. I had to schedule my C-section with my first son at 39 weeks, and so I never even went into spontaneous labor. I don't know what labor is like. And I don't know what vaginal delivery is like. So I feel like I just would feel more comfortable being in the presence of a hospital because what scares me the most is being at home or being at a birth center and then having to transfer to the hospital and either get some intervention there or have another repeat cesarean. I would rather just be in the hospital to avoid the stress and the trauma of transferring to the hospital because I know that would make me the most anxious. So I feel like for anyone listening who might be pregnant, I think the first piece of advice I would tell you is really get familiar with what you're comfortable with, what you need in terms of environment and support and care to feel your most comfortable and then therefore have the best birth experience for you. Because I think over, you know, the last 37 weeks (laughs) that I've been pregnant, The biggest thing that really helped me was learning that fear and stress during your labor is going to contribute to a birth that you do not want. It's going to contribute to a birth outcome that might have increased intervention or end up in a cesarean. And so it's really important to feel comfortable, to feel safe, to feel supported, and to also feel relaxed and be able to get yourself into that that relaxed mindset. And so let's just talk about, okay, we'll talk about how I'm prepping my body for labor in a second, but let's talk about things I'm doing differently this time than I did with my first. And I feel like I've mentioned this before, so I'm going to be a little bit more brief. I am seeing a midwife this time. My first pregnancy, I saw obstetrics and I didn't have a good experience. Let's just put it that way. I feel like my experience was fine up until the point that we knew he was breech and he wasn't going to turn and it was getting to the 36, 37 week mark. And they were like, we need to schedule a C-section. Yeah, actually it was 36 weeks. I was trying to remember if it was before that or not. No, it was 36 weeks. And it's not the fact that I had to schedule a C-section because I actually 
after doing my own research and coming to terms with it on my own, I decided that was the best option for me because my resources were so limited here in Colorado in terms of providers that I could find that really do vaginal breach delivery. Again, another another topic for another time, but I, oh man, pregnancy brain. I totally forgot what I was saying. Oh, it wasn't so much the outcome of working with an OB rather than a midwife. It was the way the OBs spoke to me and treated me when I found out I needed to have a C-section. It was just very non-compassionate, very much, I'm the doctor, I'm the expert, you know nothing, you're 22 years old, you know nothing, and as you guys can tell, I do know some things, and I do my due diligence to actually empower myself with knowledge, so I didn't appreciate being treated like I didn't know anything, and like I didn't trust my body, and like my body didn't know best, so that was my experience with an OB. Again, if you're an OB, I'm not generalizing here. However, I would love to make that claim because I've talked to countless women who have the same experience with OBs. So again, I could get on my soapbox, but I feel like this would just be a different different topic in a different podcast episode. Um, but I digress. I this time feel so much more supported with my midwives and I'm delivering at a different hospital as well. And it's a hospital that is in a more crunchy town because I live in Denver. So it's a hospital that's like 20 minutes away from me. And it's a little bit more crunchy hippie, a little bit more on my wavelength in terms of being supportive for VBACs and natural birth. So I'm really excited for that and to see how that all plays out. And the other thing that I'm doing differently is I think exercise. I think exercise is one of the biggest things that I've been doing differently this time rather than with my first. I think a lot of it has to do with time as well. When I was pregnant with my son, I had all the time in the world because I didn't have another baby and it was the pandemic. So I was moving my body a lot more. I was doing treadmill workouts, strength training workouts. I was doing Orange Theory up until like nine months pregnant and that felt good for me. However, he was breech and I knew going into this pregnancy that I was going to do everything that I could to set my body up for a baby that's in a good position. And my theory on that was my body was so tight. My ligaments were so tight. My muscles were so tight that it didn't allow for my uterus and my body and the baby to really expand and get into the best position for a vaginal birth, which is head down. And so when I got pregnant, I really made a vow that I wasn't going to do any HIIT workouts. And I don't even think I did a single Orange Theory class. I really was just like, I'm going to do some strength training. I'm going to do a bunch of yoga and I'm going to stretch and I'm going to walk. That's all I'm going to do. And to be quite honest with you guys, all I really had time to do is walk do some yoga on the pretty naked when it's virtual, stretch here and there and go to the gym probably once a week. But if I'm being honest with you guys, I haven't been to the gym in probably a month. So the gym is very few and far between. Strength training is very few and far between. I would say the biggest thing I'm doing is walking, walking and doing some yoga and making sure I'm stretching. And I have seen such a big difference in my body from not doing strength and not doing 
hit workouts in terms of the way that it feels. I feel so much looser and I really think that's a big factor of why this baby is head down. Again, breach is so spontaneous and they really don't know why babies are breech or, you know, why they decide to be head down. Head down is obviously the optimal optimal position and I think like 90 7% of babies at term are head down. It's the favorable position, but they don't really know what causes breach positioning. So I'm saying all of this thinking that it was the fact that my body was super tight and tense. However, I I could be wrong, you know, but that is what I've noticed. I, I do feel like me being gentler with the way that I move my body has allowed for this baby to get into a good position. The next thing that I'm doing differently is I'm having a doula. So shout out to my doula, Ellie. She is a pretty naked member. And also I've just known her since I was like 16 and she is a friend. She has been such a good support system for me this time around. She's virtual because she lives in Florida and I am in Denver But even just having somebody who I can have a prenatal call with and talk about my birth preferences with, go over all of the terms in terms of birth and hospital preferences, just really get the knowledge that I need to feel empowered and to feel like I can advocate for myself and Lucas can advocate for myself when I am not in the capacity to do so during labor has been such a game changer this time around. I did not have a doula at all with my first son and I liked that because I did my own research and I I just didn't feel like I needed it, especially because it was a planned C-section. So it wasn't Something that I felt like I would need at the birth either, but this time around, I'm so happy to have Ellie. She's been such a good person to just have as a sounding board and a support system, and I'm really excited to just also have her a text away or FaceTime away or a call away when I am in labor and going through the process of natural birth because she knows my plan. She knows what I want and she is helping me see that I get that outcome and that experience. And then the last thing that I'm doing differently, a vaginal birth, labor. Literally, I never got to experience labor. Like, isn't that wild? And if you're listening, if you've had a plan C-section too, and you're like, I have not experienced labor labor either, you know that even if it was a good C-section experience like mine was, it's bizarre. And I don't really hear a lot of women talk about this that have had cesareans and maybe they don't feel this way. But this is how I feel. When you're pregnant one minute and then you get a baby cut out of you quite literally the next minute, and are not pregnant anymore the next minute, and there's no transition period, it's weird. It's such a weird feeling to be fully, completely pregnant one moment and then just have the baby out of you the next moment because you don't get those hormones that you get during labor. And also, for me, in my mind, labor kind of helps make pregnancy come full circle. It's the it's the bridge between the third trimester and the fourth trimester, which is the postpartum period. And so for me, it just feels so weird that I never experienced that transition period, that labor, that cocktail of hormones that my body is producing to 
signal to me, hey, we're not going to be pregnant anymore. We're going to have a newborn and we're transitioning to a different phase now. And so I'm so damn excited to get to experience that because I felt like I was gypped of that experience. And everyone that I talk to who has been through labor, especially people who are in older generations, <laughs> they they just use fear around labor and when they talk about their birth experience and when they talk to me about my birth plan and how labor is so painful and it's just not something that you would ever want to experience. Why would you want to experience that? Are you crazy? Why don't you just have another C-section? And I understand where they're coming from. However, I think this is a big part of why there's so much medical intervention still with women and their birth experiences is because there's so much fear instilled in us. There's so much generational trauma and fear and stress that is put around birth when quite literally birth is the most natural thing in the goddamn world. It's how every single one of us got here. So if it really was so painful and full of fear and stressful and this negative experience I fully believe that we would not be here. People wouldn't be doing this this long. The human race would not be here this long if birth was really truly meant to be a shitty, fearful, terrible, stressful, painful experience. And if that's your experience with birth, I am not telling you how to feel. I just am telling you I would like to not hear that when I'm gearing up to my own labor and birth experience, I just want to have the most positive, optimistic mindset because I really believe that's how I'm going to achieve the birth experience that I want, which is unmedicated, natural, peaceful, optimistic, beautiful, sacred, and relaxed birth. That's what I want. And God damn it, that's what I'm going to get. <laughs> Okay, now I want to transition into what I'm actually doing to prepare my body for labor. And what I mean by that is what I'm doing to help my body, one, go into labor, however, two, also have a smooth, quick, good labor. And I want to just preface this by saying I think this also falls into the same philosophy of birth preferences rather than a birth plan. These are things that I'm doing to support myself to have a quick, easy, fast, beautiful labor and go into spontaneous labor. However, there are so many other factors that could contribute to actually that not happening or those things being different than I expect it to be. So while I sit here and say these are the things I'm doing to ensure that I have a natural, unmedicated, beautiful smooth, quick labor. I also am fully aware that these things might not actually help. Um, and these things might not actually give me the birth that I want. However, it can't hurt, right? I'm all, I'm so of the camp that your mindset and your beliefs are everything. So if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. If I think these things are going to work, damn it, they're going to work. And I challenge you to try to adopt that mindset 
with everything that you do too, not even with birth, because I guarantee you'll see that the things you think you can do, you're going to actually be able to do. And the things that you think you can't do, you won't be able to do. Just a little mindset tip for you guys. But I want to share what I'm doing to prepare myself for a natural labor and delivery. And again, I understand that these things might not always work, but these are the things that I'm doing. Okay, the first thing I'm doing is I'm ensuring that I'm getting quality sleep. Everyone tells you when you get pregnant to rest while you can. And when you have baby, everyone tells you to sleep when the baby sleeps. And I feel like I've said this before. I'm not a napper. Meaning when baby is here and baby is sleeping, if I... If it's during the day, most likely I'm not going to nap just because I can't. I've never been a napper. My body doesn't allow me to do it. Hopefully that changes one day, but right now, (laughs) time and time again has proved to me that I'm just not a napper. So for me, what I'm doing right now is prioritizing quality sleep. And what I mean by that is making sure that I'm having good sleep hygiene, having a good wind down routine. I'm going to bed around the same time at night and I'm getting at least seven to nine hours of sleep. That for me is because I know that labor is such a marathon and when I go through it, I want to make sure that I'm rested. Now again, I I know I can't really control this. So if I go to, into labor at like 8 p.m., I'm sure I'm not going to be able to sleep and then might be sleep deprived. But at least I know that the night before I had at least seven to nine hours of sleep, which is going to make me feel better mentally. And maybe I go into labor at 3 a.m. Who knows? But if I'm prioritizing quality sleep up until the point that I go into labor, I feel like it's going to help me just feel more rested and ready to take on the marathon that is labor. The next thing that I'm doing is I'm having more sex and I'm making sure that Lucas comes inside of me. (laughs) And if you're like, whoa, that's a lot of information. Why did I need to know that? It's because that is an important factoid of why we're having. That's probably honestly the only reason we're having sex at this point (laughs) is for the cum. And let me explain. So when I was pregnant with Lennox, we actually stopped having sex when I was about 30 weeks because it just didn't feel good. So we just did other things to be intimate. But this time around, we found ways to where it actually feels good for me. And honestly, I feel like if cum didn't help induce labor, we probably wouldn't be having sex. However, there are something called prostaglandins in sperm. And what prostaglandins do is help to ripen your cervix and get you prepped and ready for birth. It can actually help to induce labor. I've had many women reach out to me and say, I went into labor after having sex with my partner. And um, that is music to my ears. So I am making sure that Lucas and I have sex, if not every single day, every other day, And he is coming inside of me because I'm like, look, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the prostaglandins in your sperm. So give it to me. (laughs) Like, help me. Let's ripen the cervix and let's go into labor. The next thing that I am doing to prep my body for labor is eating medjool dates. And fun fact, if you didn't know this about me, then you're not a true friend of mine. (laughs) If you didn't know, I'm obsessed with medjool dates. They're one of my favorite desserts and I always love eating them with 
peanut butter and some chocolate chips or cacao chips that I get from Trader Joe's. The cacao chips from Trader Joe's, like the 100% unsweetened cacao chips are my favorite because I'm a cacao freak and I love, I love the bitterness of it. So that's my favorite dessert, by the way. That wasn't what I wanted to tell you guys about dates, but that that is my favorite dessert. <laughs> so the science behind dates, and I'm actually not bullshitting you guys. At my last midwife appointment, I told my midwife, look, I'm trying to go into labor yesterday. And she was like, okay, you know, do all the evidence-based natural things to go into labor before 40 weeks or 41 weeks when they would have to maybe schedule me for, your, for a C-section if I go to 41 weeks since it's a VBAC whatever. Again, another topic for uh, another time. But she was like, do all the evidence-based things like having sex and bouncing on the ball, doing some acupuncture and eating medjool dates. And I was like, oh my gosh, so that is a thing. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, can you tell me the science behind it? And she was telling me that there were just studies that were done that they did in Arabic countries where women who were eating a bunch of dates because dates are a staple in Arabic countries and in just like the Arab culture, women who were eating a lot of dates had faster, quicker, better, smoother labors and more ripened cervixes than women who didn't eat dates. So the recommendation is to eat six dates a day, which like, again, music to my ears, guys. It's my one of my favorite foods. So I am prioritizing dates and I am doing that by throwing a few in my smoothies, maybe putting some on my oatmeal. And then again, having it with my favorite dessert, which is the dates, the peanut butter and the cacao chips. The next thing I'm doing is red raspberry leaf tea. And I'm sure if you're pregnant, you have heard of red raspberry leaf tea. If you ever go to the store and you see the yogi teas or just any tea that says pregnancy tea, I guarantee you it's red raspberry leaf tea. And I believe the science behind this is also to ripen the cervix and just get your body ready for birth. However, I'm also reading a book. I think it's by Grantley Dick Reed childbirth without fear. Maybe I could be wrong, but I think that's one of the books that I'm reading and I read with Lennox and he says he helps or he actually gives moms red raspberry leaf tea during labor as well, like while they're in active labor to help with the contractions, help your uterus and just help labor flow more smoothly. So he is a qualified birth worker and just an accredited man. So I am going to trust what he says. And I am drinking red raspberry leaf tea, probably not every single day, just because I, I'm not somebody who can have a lot of liquids before dinner or not before dinner, after dinner, before bed. And I always forget to drink the tea until bed. So I'm probably doing it every other day, if not once a day, at least. But my goal, honestly, at this point is to have it twice a day. So maybe maybe I'll start having it in the morning instead of my matcha and then at night as well. The other thing that I'm doing to prep my body is consuming a lot of healthy fats and protein. So this is honestly just proper pregnancy, prenatal nutrition in general. But I find or I found when I was in the postpartum period, a lot of what I was eating really contributed to my postpartum experience of feeling good and not having any postpartum illnesses. And again, there are so many factors to this, but I really am a big believer that the proper nutrition is going to set you up for a better postpartum and also a really good labor. So 
I'm prioritizing a lot of healthy fats to reduce inflammation and also help with my brain and my mood. And also these last few weeks of pregnancy, your baby is having so much brain development. And so healthy fats just help also with their brain development. So not only for my own mood and my own endurance and satiating factors, I'm doing it for the baby as well, but healthy fats like avocado, nuts and seeds, non-inflammatory oils such as coconut, avocado, and olive oil, and then also some fatty fish, eggs, quality meat. The other thing is coconut water. Guys, I'm staying hydrated. I think this is also a huge reason why I haven't had any Braxton Hicks contractions. And I went to my midwife and I was like, is that bad? Like, should I have Braxton Hicks? Because I see midwives on rotation and one of them was telling me, she's like, oh, I'm shocked you haven't had Braxton Hicks just because, you know, a lot of women do. Um, But the other midwife was like, honestly, you don't need to have Braxton Hicks before you go into labor to like actually experience contractions. It's just that some women do. And honestly, the reason that women experience Braxton Hicks more than others is one, they're stressed or two, they're dehydrated. And what people don't realize is dehydration, again, can't speak. Dehydration is actually a form of stress on the body. So if your body is dehydrated, it's going to feel stressed. And if stress is a factor of false contractions, which is Braxton Hicks, then that is probably why I haven't had any because I'm so hydrated and I'm really working on my stress levels. So the the way I really like to rehydrate myself is by ensuring I'm getting a lot of electrolytes in and that's why I like coconut water, but I also do water with a pinch of mineral salt and lemon just to get my sodium, calcium, potassium in has been really important. I'm also taking mineral capsules at night, just two of them that I got from Amazon. I can link it below if you guys are interested or DM me if you're interested in the mineral capsules that I've gotten, but it's like potassium, calcium, um, sodium, all of that good stuff that you need in, in terms of keeping you hydrated. The next thing I'm doing is yogi squats. So if you guys are unfamiliar with what this is, just Google it and you'll be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But essentially it's you squatting really deeply and kind of putting your elbows between your legs so that you're opening up your legs in the squat and your butt is almost touching the ground. And the reason for this is that one, it feels so damn good to just stretch that way. But then also two, it actually helps to get the baby in the best position for birth. And also putting pressure on your cervix, putting pressure of the baby on your cervix and working with gravity is actually a really great tool in ripening your cervix and getting you to dilate and um, getting things moving and grooving. So I'm doing that at least five minutes every single day, yogi squatting it out. And honestly, I, I can see how women actually birth in that position because you're working with gravity and it actually feels really good to just sit in that position. Not sure how good it's going to feel when I'm actually in labor going through contractions, but I'm hoping that the yogi squat puts me into labor by putting pressure on my cervix. (laughs) The other thing that I'm doing is walking. So like I said, I'm exercising a lot different with this pregnancy than I did with my first. And I feel like it's just helped a lot. But again, the the walking logic is also this, the same as the yogi squats, where when you walk, 
you're working with gravity and there's pressure on your bladder. So especially when baby drops and their head is engaged, it's going to put a lot of pressure on your cervix, on your pelvis. And that's good because that is telling your body like, oh yeah, there's a baby there and the baby's putting pressure on the cervix. Let's maybe soften, ripen, open up and give birth. (laughs) So walking is what I've been doing. It's also just felt the best. Um, And another reason for walking is to keep my endurance up. I feel like at 37 weeks pregnant, the last thing I really want to be doing is moving. I want to conserve my energy. I want to rest up while I can because labor is a marathon and also postpartum is a lot of sleep deprivation. So I want to rest up. However, I know that what's also going to be helpful for me during labor is to have my endurance up. So I'm making sure I'm walking every single day and Guys, this doesn't have to look like a three-mile walk. I haven't walked three miles, really. The type of walking that I'm doing is walking Lennox to the park, going to the grocery store, walking around the backyard, literally walking around the backyard, making sure I'm on my feet. Just making sure I'm doing a lot of neat energy expenditure has honestly been so great, and I'm just telling myself this is going to help me keep the endurance, the stamina up for when I go through labor, you know, hoping that it's sub five hours and I don't need all of the endurance. However, probably won't be the case. Maybe will be, but you know, we never know how long labor is going to be. So walking, keeping my endurance up has been really important. And that's something that I am prioritizing to prep my body for a natural unmedicated labor. And then the last thing is reading hypnobirthing and practicing the hypnobirthing meditations and relaxation tools. This is something I didn't do with my first. And looking back, I don't know why I didn't do it because I didn't know that I was going to have a C-section until 36 weeks. And I didn't know I was going to schedule a C-section until like 37. I don't think I scheduled a C-section until 37 weeks. And so I don't know why I didn't prep in terms of relaxation tools and techniques and breathing techniques. I think I just was winging it and maybe something intuitively told me that I wasn't going to have a vaginal birth. But this time around, I really was intentional in the fact that I'm having a VBAC and all goes well. All is, you know, pointing to the signs of having a vaginal birth, meaning the baby's head down, that I'm going to also make sure I prep myself in terms of having the labor that I want and making sure it goes smoothly. Something I've been told by my midwives is that they actually want to do the least amount of intervention possible when they have moms who are trying for a TOLAC, which is a trial of labor after cesarean, you know, a VBAC. When they're trying for a vaginal birth after cesarean, they don't want to use intervention because things like Pitocin and other ways of inducing women non-naturally can actually increase the risk of uterine rupture, which is the main risk that they pose with having a VBAC. Even though the risk is super low, it's still something that they need to consider. And the risk goes up if you receive intervention, um, is what my midwife told me. So basically, When I am in labor, I want to have the tools that I can equip myself with to feel good in the moments where I might be like, give me the fucking drugs. (laughs) Because I know I'm going to have that moment where I'm like, I'm over this. 
I, I just want the drugs, but I know that that's a part of it. And I might be at eight centimeters dilated and right around the corner. But I also am realistic and I'm like, if I need the epidural, I have my safe word. I know what to say if I need the epidural and we will do that if that is the best possible scenario for me and what I actually need. However, again, going for a natural unmedicated labor meant for me that I need to equip myself with the tools to cope with the pain because while I believe that if there is less stress and less fear when you go into labor and in the birthing room that you're going to have a great labor and delivery. I'm also not naive to the fact that there is a lot of discomfort that comes with contractions and birthing a human being out of your vagina. I am totally not naive to that. However, I do think that there are natural things you can do to cope with the pain in terms of breathing, in terms of meditations. You can use nitrous oxide. You can use the TENS machine to um, stimulate areas of your body and help take the, the uh, the pain away basically by distracting you to something else, you know, birthing ball, positioning, getting in the bath. But also I think the biggest thing is mindset. And so through reading these hypnobirthing books and practicing meditations, I'm just trying to help myself get in the zone and know what to fall back to and fall back on in terms of breathing and meditations to help me cope through the pain. So hypnobirthing book that I'm reading, I will put in the show notes below and the meditation that I have been doing, um, actually haven't been doing, I did it once, but I need to do it again. And I plan to use during my labor is the rainbow relaxation meditation. It's literally the most popular meditation that hypnobirthing has. And so I'll link that below as well. I also made a birth playlist that I'm super excited to use. I'm weird. Like I don't want to listen to the birth playlist until I actually am in the birthing room because I want to feel like everything is hitting me so powerfully and really calming me down. I'm one of those people that if I hear a song too long or too many times, I don't want any part of it. So I'm just trying to save it for when I go into labor and we'll have something to listen to. So yeah, those are pretty much all of the things I'm doing to prep my body for a natural unmedicated labor. And again, I know that my labor might not go the way that I planned it to. However, I believe that knowledge is power and I believe that preparation is power. And so I'm preparing myself best to give me the birth that I want and have the mindset that will be also conducive to the birth that I want. So I have high hopes, guys, and I'm actually really fucking excited to experience labor because I didn't get to. And I am hoping that this is a girl so that I can be done and then Lucas can get a vasectomy and this will be my last pregnancy, even though I say that now. Who knows what I'm going to say when I'm 26? Whatever. But I just really want to have the labor and delivery that I want. And so I... I just believe that knowledge is power and preparation is power. And if anyone's listening, I hope that this gave you some insight, maybe some tips. Maybe you're pregnant and you want to implement some of these things come 37 weeks. The only thing I would say, obviously, is consult with your doctor. I am not an expert in the birth world and don't want to put you into labor when you shouldn't be going into labor. But again, if you are listening and want to implement some of these things, I think it would be smart to wait until 37 weeks. I didn't mention that, but 
I waited until I was 37 weeks pregnant. Maybe I did, but I waited until I was 36 weeks pregnant to actually start doing all of these things because that means that I'm full term and I didn't want to be in a situation where I went into labor early. But now that I'm full term, I'm like, let's rock and roll. So the only recommendation I would make is to wait until you're 37 weeks pregnant and then you can use all of the tips that I have been giving you. Okay, guys. Well, I'm going to wrap that episode here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, if you did, leave a rating and review. It helps people find this show. And as always, follow me on Instagram at JustMans. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Baby.